Listener supported. WNYC Studios. It's the Brian Lehrer Show on WNYC. Good morning, everyone. We'll begin today with the state of the city, according to Mayor Eric Adams, and according to you. The mayor gave his State of the City speech yesterday, I watched it, emphasizing that crime is down and jobs are up, and laying out some new proposals, including a declaration that social media is a public health crisis for children. Now, we'll see if there are any policies attached to that or just a sentiment, but it's interesting. He's declaring social media a health crisis in New York City, especially for children. Also, the creation of what he calls a Department of Sustainable Delivery to address concerns over delivery driver and pedestrian safety and safety from e-bike battery fires in the buildings where delivery workers live. And he declared partial victory in his war on rats. We'll also get into the mayor's veto of two police and correction department accountability bills. And joining us for this is our lead Eric Adams reporter, WNYC and Gothamist Elizabeth Kim, who has selected some excerpts from the speech to discuss. Hi, Liz. Welcome back to the show. Hi, Brian. Good morning. And listeners, we're inviting you in this segment, too, to give us your 30-second State of the City speeches of your own, 212 433 WNYC. And I'm thinking you can use your 30 seconds in a number of ways. Mayor Adams said, as politicians always do, the state of our city is strong. How many times have you heard the word strong in a state of the city, state of the state, state of the union address? The state of our city is strong. What's your top line adjective to describe the state of New York City right now? Call or text. It's a good one for text. 212 433 WNYC, 212-433-9692, the state of New York City, is what? Or use your 30 seconds to say what is the most important good thing or bad thing about New York right now. Maybe one of each, the most important good thing and or bad thing about New York City right now. Or what would be your number one policy item this year? Because that's another important aspect of state of the city speech, as I just mentioned a few of the new things from Adams yesterday. What would be your number one new policy item this year if you were the mayor of New York? Any of those takes welcome in your 32nd State of the City speeches, 212-433-WNYC, 212-433-9692, call or text. So, Liz, while we're waiting for the wisdom of the crowd, Let's start with a clip of Adams on social media as a public health crisis. Here we go. Just as the Surgeon General did with tobacco and guns, we're treating social media like other public health hazards, and it must stop. We must ensure that tech companies take responsibility for their products. You'll be hearing more about this in the future. We are going to correct this crisis that's facing our children. So, Liz, he said, we'll be hearing more about this in the future. Do you have anything yet on what, if any, policies regulating social media the mayor is planning to roll out? So the Department of Health did, in fact, issue an advisory yesterday, um, you know, basically saying what the mayor said, that social media is a public health hazard. And the recommendation they're putting out to parents is that they don't give their children a phone 
or access to social media until they're 14 and up. So that's just advice to parents about what they're what they should do in their personal lives. Um, is there anything else? I mean, you know, he compared it to the Surgeon General talking about tobacco and guns, and we know all kinds of policies have flowed from that. Anything at the policy level? So that's unclear, but the mayor has talked about social media a lot. Um, you know, um, you might remember, I think it was last year, he had talked about the the bad impacts of drill rap, that it is basically celebrating a culture of gang violence. And he felt that videos that, or TikTok, or in, TikTok and Instagram videos that children were watching were inciting them to violence. And so that so this is this is something that the mayor has talked about a lot and you know even beyond just social media the mayor has also in the past talked about this sort of i think maybe some skeptical people might say a kind of panic around children and some people might remember this sort of famous or infamous video that Adams made when he was a state senator it was a video that he himself choreographed and made about how to search your children's room for dangerous contraband. So this is not a new idea coming from the mayor. I think that it probably does strike a nerve with a lot of parents in this, especially in this age of social media where they can't, you know, always be monitoring what their children are watching. Um, But I think it's also, it's an age old concern too. Like, you know where where are your children? You know that that old yeah. you know advisory they used to or uh, or um, it's alert. It's ten o'clock. It's Do you 10 know o'clock. where your children? You know are? Your children? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think it. I think it does. It, it's in many ways. I think it's savvy politics for the mayor. I think it plays very well, especially to working class New Yorkers who might be strapped for time, and you know they don't always know where their children are, and they don't have the same resources, perhaps as more affluent parents to, you know, have their children enrolled in, you know, a special program in sports and activities or or hire, you know, caretakers. Um, To my ear, it was one of the biggest applause lines in the speech, along with the delivery workers uh, department. Um, But you were there in person, right? What, What would you say were the biggest applause lines if you have a take or where or just if, if you thought the audience was very responsive to that social media line? You know, I think that did not particularly stand out to me. I mean, it was this year it was done in in a little bit of a smaller hall. And it's often hard to discern, you know, many of the people who are there are members of the administration. And this right. year he also had a sizable number of union groups that were there. And, um, you know, they kind were of basically recruited as cheerleaders, right? I don't want to say that, but it, in some I'll ways it, it did feel that way at times. <laughs> you know, it, it felt it had, the, you know, it had the feel of a campaign rally. So it was hard to discern, you know, like who's responding to this and who and, 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 and why exactly are, are they clapping for that particular moment? Were they were they kind of cued to to respond in that way? First few texts coming in on the state of our city is what? Listener writes, the state of our city is on edge. Another one writes, the state of New York City is divided over Mayor Adams himself. Another one, the state of New York City is outrageous. Uncontrolled rent prices and inflation that is pushing all and any creatives out. 
What's yours, listeners? The state of New York City is what? Text or call 212-433-WNYC or any version of a 30-second state of the city address that you want to give. Meanwhile, the next clip we'll play from the mayor's speech kind of encompasses two realities uh, that were there in that hall yesterday. The mayor pronouncing partial victory in his war on rats and dealing with a heckler who you might be able to hear in the background in this clip. Got garbage bags off our streets and into bins and removed miles of unsightly scaffolding that has darkened our doors and blocked our views. And we even allow hecklers inside my state of the city. What a great city we're in. What a great city we're in. <laughs> All right, a little improv from the mayor there in response to the heckler or hecklers. So first, first talk to me about rats and garbage bags, Liz. Uh, then we'll get to what the heckling was about. Are rat complaints, in fact, down substantially, as the mayor claimed in the speech? So... Here's the thing with rat complaints. Yes, they are down. And yes, that is a good thing. We want to see rat complaints go down. But here's the complexity to it. Rat complaints spiked during the pandemic. And one of the reasons why people thought that rat complaints were going up was not only perhaps rats, there were more rats in search of food because a lot of restaurants were closed, um, et cetera. But the other reason people thought rat complaints were up was because more people were at home and there were more people at home to to see the rats and then call 311. So if we're coming from a moment where, you know, we had a lot of people at home, you know, calling 311, making these complaints, and now we're sort of having this moment where people are now returning to the offices they're no longer in their neighborhoods making this these kinds of rat complaints. So h- how are we really, is that a really fair barometer? Is it really yeah. accurate? You know, I think it's very difficult. I don't think that's the mayor's fault at all. I think, you know, I, you know, I think it's it's totally fair for him to use rat complaints as a measure, but there's complexity to it. And I think yeah. we need to be aware of that. And so what more can we expect from his administration on rats. He talked about containerization of trash outside more buildings and no more big black garbage bags, uh, the plastic bags, along with that. How possible is that to achieve and how quickly? Well, I should say, like, you know, most experts say that is the best strategy to defeat rats. You know, um, it's about controlling the food source for them. And, you know, the mayor has, in fact, you know, fully committed to this. And we should see this program accelerating over the next two years. So beginning in the fall of this year, buildings with nine or fewer units will be required to place all of their trash in containers. And then in the, by the summer of 2026, the city plans to roll out their own special bins for that. So we should see some real movement on that. And it'll be interesting to see um, how the rat complaints respond to that initiative. And funny enough, a text that just came in, the state of New York City is streets and gutters strewn with trash and no idea of who is supposed to pick it up. Uh, Someone else writes, the state of our city is confused. We're the greatest. We're a hellhole. Which is it? The state of the city, according to Paul in Brooklyn. You're on WNYC. Hi, Paul. Good morning, Brian. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Uh, I would say that the state of our city is typically chaotic, a little more intense because of the nature of the world. 
Uh, I would like to say I would love to have Mayor Adams and his administration uh, focus very carefully and thoughtfully on parent engagement in education. I'm a parent of a first grader in uh, Fort Greene. I am uh, active and I see the needs of, for example, after school services that engage both the body and mind. And it is extremely important that we get to our young people. And I say starting in first grade, but everybody needs more attention, especially in a time when there's going to be more budget cuts, no matter what rosy predictions are made by some of my progressive friends. Uh, I see a lot of vacancies. That means that commercial rents are down, et cetera, et cetera. Our city is in a very challenging time. We have a mayor who is, I think he's competent, but he's not the best communicator, and he's really made some unnecessary enemies because his rhetoric is sometimes a little bit, but having said my hometown, let's, let's, let's be New Yorkers. I hear you, Paul. Thank you very much. Um, another one, he said chaotic, uh, one that came in in a text, the state of New York City is shambolic. Look it up. But it means chaotic and like mismanaged. Uh, another one, the state of New York City is greedy beyond the limits of sanity. Kellum in Brooklyn has a 30-second state of the city address, I think. Kellum, you're on WNYC. Hello. Hi, Derek. Can you hear me? Yep, you're on. Oh, great. Actually, um, I'm calling about a policy idea. Is you that got okay? it. That is one of the options, a policy idea. I think it would be good if uh, homeowners, in particular people like with a, you know, like a brownstone that has, say, two or three rentals in it, if they were charging below market rent, which is a common thing, if they were given a tax break to help them manage um you know, just all the expenses of actually managing a home. Mm-hmm. I am currently helping a woman who basically became bankrupt because she was charging too low rent um, on three units for like the past 20 years. Kellum, thank so you she's very- benefiting the community. Yeah. She's benefiting the community by charging, you know, affordable rent Right. So but you would have it, l- like to see some help for her. So you're, you're proposing incentives, tax incentives or other incentives for people who charge below market rates, uh, rents voluntarily. Correct. Kellum, thank you very much. I wonder how many people would take that up or uh, would uh, or what incentives would actually be necessary uh, to get people who could charge market rents to charge below market rents on any large scale basis. Oh, Liz, on the hecklers in that uh, clip we played, um, you said the state of the city was held in a small space. Where was it and how difficult would it have been for aspiring hecklers to attend? So it was held at Hostess Community College in the Bronx. Um, You know, I stood online just like all the other attendees, and we all had to go through security. I had to show them that I had RSV'd for the event and that I had gotten a confirmation. Mm-hmm. So I actually think it probably was pretty hard. And, it, and to my mind, that was the only heckler um, at the event. One person? Yes. There were protests outside the event, um, at, and that's to be expected at every state of the city. But that was the one major disruption of the state of the city. 
the way things are going between the mayor and city council, I was wondering at first, hmm, which member of city council was heckling the mayor there? Just kidding. But things have been tense lately over police and Rikers Island policies. And yet here's the mayor from the state of the city giving a verbal hug to city council speaker Adrian Adams. want to thank, you know, my sister. And I'm going to tell her, like mommy used to tell me, Speaker Adrian Adams, I love you and there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> and they're not actually related, though, having the same name for anybody who didn't know. But, but that moment surprised a lot of people is, right? What was behind that political valentine? Um, that was a that was a little bit interesting because they're coming off, you know, I would say a pretty fraught week um, over, you know, it's over their disagreement over a pair of criminal justice bills. Um, you know, I think the mayor does recognize um, a kind of solidarity between black elected officials. And I think, you know, especially with the speaker, because, you know, they both went to the same high school, Bayside High School. Um, like me. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, I think it, it was it was interesting. I mean, <laughs> but I think that he, he's also I guess you could say maybe he's trying to extend an olive branch to the speaker after sort of some very difficult days and, you know, difficult like um, rhetoric between the two of them. Um, you know, we shall see. More State of the City is what? Coming in on text messages. The State of the City is tentative due to the mayor's erratic style. The State of the City is resilient. The State of our City. Oh, this is, this is okay, this one's going to take the, the listener's whole 30 seconds. And it's very heartfelt and not happy. The state of our city for whom uh, I love and I'm grateful for, the city that I've made a life in for 20 years, the city that I've given so much of myself to, is failing me. None of my peers in the film industry are filing, finding work. There is a cr clear increase in crime on my own block. My, work, my wife, who works in immigration reform, is exhausted, and it goes on from there. So... Thank you for that one. Uh, one more for now. Uh, da, 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 da. The state of the city is art and culture and enlightenment. Everything else is pedestrian mishigas for politicians to haggle over. Okay, uh, let's take a break here. We've got more clips of Mayor Adams from the state of the city speech to play. And also a clip from uh, a couple of clips from his news conference on Tuesday, the day before the state of the city, um, which will explain why he and city council are so at odds. And listeners, we keep inviting your calls and your texts, the state of the city, according to you, any description or policy proposal you want to make in a 30-second phone call, 212-433-WNYC, or keep those texts coming. The state of the city in 2024 is what? 212 433 9692. Stay with us. Brian Lehrer on WNYC as we continue to play excerpts from and get analysis of 
Mayor Adams' State of the City address yesterday, and we're also going to sample from his Tuesday news conference with our lead Mayor Adams reporter, Elizabeth Kim from WNYC, and you can read her articles, too, if you didn't know that, on our local news website, Gothamist, and we're inviting the State of the City, according to you, in 30-second phone calls or reactions to anything you heard from the mayor in the speech at 212-433-WNYC or in a text message, as a lot of people are taking me up on, the state of the city is blank. Somebody wrote, Liz, the state of the city is New York. Ha, ha, ha. Someone else, the state of the city is expensive. A related one, the state of the city is overpriced. Another one, the state of the city is failing special education students. As a speech-language pathologist who does speech and language assessments for kids suspected of needing special education, a very complex and nuanced task in a city like New York, they haven't increased what they pay people to do this in nearly 20 years. Canadian Harlem wants to react to the mayor's proclamation of social media as a public health crisis for children in New York City. Canadian, you're on WNYC. Hi there. Good morning, Brian. I, ironically, I actually studied uh, speech pathology and graduated 20 years ago, so ha, didn't do that. I pivoted mm. to also, along with artificial intelligence, ethically um, utilize also brand safety and digital safety, which includes all of the social media platforms. So I work for the Brand Safety Summit. So all the global heads of safety for TikTok, Meta, uh, Amazon, which is Twitch, and also Google and YouTube all come and are all sponsors of our summit. So they are already there talking about best practices on how to keep children safe, how to, you know, um, inform parents of the parental controls and the rights that they have. Um, so that's a conversation that Mayor Adams wants to have um, instead of it being tangential to me and also a distraction mm-hmm. from other major issues in New York City, including food, water, shelter, Maslow's hierarchy. L- um, <laughs> they can definitely reach out. <laughs> he can definitely reach out to me regard because this is literally what we do. I've just posted on LinkedIn a few minutes ago about it. So, you know, I think that that's an interesting pivot. I think it's it's a federal conversation versus a city conversation, just like him going down for the migrant crisis mm-hmm. to South America. I think he needs to focus. Uh, and, and I get it. I mean, I used to be a public school teacher and charter school teacher for over 15 years. I've talked about the trauma class, how there's a growing right. need well, let for me, people. Let me, let me, let me follow up with you on one thing. And first, I will acknowledge that that is the uh, first reference, maybe ever or maybe just in a long time on the show, to Maslow's hierarchy. Listeners, look it up. <laughs> um, but the um the the mayor's declaration whether and i hear you that you say it really should be a federal policy on social media and child public health but if there was a policy coming out of city hall or washington that would help deal with that public health crisis what do you have a a thought a proposal on what where they maybe should start um, well, I think it's the same thing. Again, I work at the intersection of artificial intelligence and social media. So the same thing, there was a proclamation from the city last year about AI and use in the, work, in the workplace in terms of recruitment. It mm-hmm. had no teeth, yeah. <laughs> right? So, again, announcing these policy, you know, and, and not having actual knowledge from an industry standpoint of actually how right. the industry thinks, I get it. how they work, how they monetize and profit. I get it. But, do you, so I but think, do you have one? I think, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. So I think it has to do with parents. I think it has to it has to be very proactive and also children facing. I think there needs to be a council of actual students. I'm actually talking to a mm-hmm. private school now about creating an entire um, program and fellowship for their children to be mm-hmm. actively talking about how do we, as the stewards of social media from a from a child from a child standpoint, think that social media should be regulated. So I'm already in talks with these institutions and then also again directly with the social media platforms so i think it has to be transparent it has to be proactive and it has to involve children and so one would be actually sharing because tiktok specifically has some amazing parental controls that a lot of people just don't know about Mm. um and so they're in a race to actually you know showcase on tiktok and other other platforms like you know actual media cnbc Uh msnbc cnn whatever what their parental controls actually are and how you as a parent can actually use them right, right now and then as children figure out ways to get around them. Interesting. So, and and Kanani, Apple I, as well I, has... Um, uh, Apple has that too. Kanani, thank you. I have to move on. But thank you for all of that. Um, yeah, and that's interesting. It's probably beyond the scope of, of this segment, really. But, uh, you know, like there are parental controls on devices, at least... Uh, and sometimes on particular apps like Canadians is suggesting there be more of uh, kind of like, you know, the the rating system for movies and how age appropriate they are. So that's a place to start. Anyway, maybe we'll get the um, health commissioner, Dr. Vossen, on the show, because I know he's involved with the mayor on this. Uh, to see what he thinks might be done at a policy level, or maybe we'll go to someone from one of the public health schools if, I, I, if they're putting wanna, this in a public health context. Go ahead, Liz. I did want to add, Brian, that you know this has come up before, like I said before, um, but um, you know one recent um, episode where I where I should have mentioned is that with subway surfing, you know this uh-huh. um, you know this practice where, you know, it tends to be younger people, you know, ride on top of a s- subway cars. And that's... There, there, there was another recent death, wasn't there? Right, exactly. And, you know, the mayor and MTA officials have attributed the rise in subway surfing to people watching it on TikTok or on Instagram ah. and then wanting to emulate it. And in response to that, what this what the city did was that they, along with the MTA, tried to reach out to Instagram and TikTok and all the social media companies when they did find it. And they would ask them, can you take it down or flag it? And I think they, they said there was some kind of conversation going on there where there was cooperation. That's a good one. That's a really good example. The state of the city, according to another listener in a text message, is chaos. Another one, the state of the city is rapidly evolving into a progressive Democrat utopia, similar to Newark or Detroit. Okay, we know what kind of a burn that is. The state of the city is tired. The state of the city is stagnant. Interesting that those came in from different phone numbers back to back. The state of the city is lacking enforcement of rules. The state of the city. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna leave it there while I find some other ones. A lot of text messages coming in faster than I can read them. Here's the mayor from his weekly news conference on Tuesday responding to a question about his office actually removing chairs from a city hall space while city council members were trying to have a news conference there. 
Um, we want to maintain control in the uh, Rotunda area. And we're going to sit down as we did with uh, council, uh, with public the public advocate. We're going to sit down with the speaker. The team is going to sit down and really coordinate how you properly control using the space there in the Rotunda area. So, Liz, I don't know if I care about this chair's issue at all. I think it's a tempest in a teapot and more gossipy than newsworthy, but it's made a lot of news. So what was that? Some kind of turf issue between the mayor's wing of City Hall and the council's or anything darker than that? So this speaks to what I was talking about before when I said that there's, you know, an incredible amount of tension right now between the mayor and the council and specifically Speaker Adrian Adams. And this was one day before his state of the city. The council, you know, they were trying to have a press conference. They were originally going to have it outside on the steps where they often will hold press conferences. But because of the rain, they decided to move it inside and hold it in the rotunda space, which is another common area where, you know, both the city council and the mayor's office, I should say, first share the building. The mayor does control the building, but you know, they do mm-hmm. share the space. And the mm-hmm. rotunda is a common area for, for press conferences. And then what happened was it was it was very unusual. The someone from the mayor's office came out and asked to remove the chairs. He, you know, the person came out with um, actually a facilities person who had a hand truck. And he said to the reporters, uh, I want our chairs. You know, the reporters were kind of stunned. They they kind of just looked at him, but then they didn't move. And it was kind of this standoff. And then, you know, the mayor's aide eventually left. But it was it was quite unusual because it was quite bold in a sense that the mayor was trying to, um, you know, kind of, if not disrupt, but, you know, kind was of be tr- an annoyance, yeah. right? And was, it was he trying to restrict the press more than tell city council, stay on your side of the building? Have restricted the press because the press would have simply just stood for the press conference, and that we normally do that at all. But it just felt like a little way to sort of, um, you know, interfere or I would say annoy the city council over. You know, I should say that the press conference was intended to address what they had seen as you know misinformation that the mayor was putting out about these bills that they recently passed in which the mayor last week vetoed. So, you know, there is it was basically about this battle over legislation, you know, but the idea that the mayor would try to take away what is, you know, I think arguably people would see the chairs as it's it's they belong to the taxpayers, right? It's a city resource. And why can't the council use them for their press conference? And it it didn't just end with the chairs. The, the, the council was also unable to turn on the lights for their press conference. So the speaker mm-hmm. and the public advocate, Jumani Williams, had to, had to hold this press conference pretty much in very dim settings. So it was not ideal. And it was sort of this, but it was all done, you know, sort of at the order of the mayor's office. And that's that was what unusually I think some people would say mean or, you know, other people used the word petty. Another listener writes, the state of the city is 
allocating way too much money for police and policing. And that sets up from Tuesday's news conference, um, the mayor on the biggest point of contention between him and city council right now, substantively, the bill that he vetoed, but they might override, requiring police officers to fill out a form on their handheld devices documenting many more encounters um, than they do now with the public. Here, the mayor says he is still open to compromise. Do we need a stops bill? I would say I don't believe we do, but I respect the fact that there are those that believe we should for level twos and threes. And I'm willing to sign that any day because if they believe we need to go further with more transparency, you know what? I'm fine. It's the level ones. And I'm willing to sign a bill that the entire bill, the way they have it, if you remove and modify the level one, those credible stops mean any stop that an officer makes in his inquiries that is not only dealing with law enforcement, but just his basic interaction with the public. So, Liz, can you explain the level one issue there? I think council and the mayor disagree on the facts, on what kinds of encounters the police would have to fill out the forms about. The mayor says if there's a crime in progress, he said this elsewhere in the news conference, I I know you heard it, the mayor says if there's a crime in progress and a cop asks an eyewitness in an emergency situation, what did you see? Where is the guy? The cop would have to ask the witness demographic and other questions or assess things like that and write them down. And he says that would obviously make the city less safe. Does city council dispute him on even the facts of what cops would have to actually do, like in a situation like he described? Um, so I'll start at the beginning. So a level one stop is considered a low level stop. What does that mean? It means it doesn't involve the suspicion of criminal activity. Um, now, the bill itself says that just casual or you know incidental encounters between a police officer and civilian are not subject to this, um, you know, to, rep- to NYPD requiring, requiring to report it. And that has sort of been um, at issue, one of the issues or, or issue, uh, I- um, areas of contention between the mayor and the speaker and the public advocate about how he's framing this. In terms of whether the cop needs to ask the witness for you know, the demographic information, that's nowhere in the legislation. And it's up to the city, it's up to the mayor's office and the NYPD to decide how to implement the legislation. So, you know, you could easily see a scenario where, you know, the officer doesn't need to, isn't required to ask, you know, a a person he he has stopped for, you know, their race, or ethnicity, mm-hmm. but it's it, they would need to fill out the information later, and it would be the perceived race and ethnicity. Now, what's the reason for this? All of this is to get at the, the discriminatory practices of police stops. It's about tracking it, and it's about being able to curb it, because historically, we've seen it happen. Mm-hmm. And that is why the council is interested in expanding it to these lower-level encounters. 
Wasn't there even a study just in the Adams administration? And he'll talk a lot about abuses during Bloomberg with stop and frisk. But wasn't there a study even just during the Adams administration that his new um, anti-crime unit or whatever they call it, the, the partly uniformed police force, um, that a lot of the stops that they were making were actually unlawful? Um, I think there was a, there was a case that went to court last year, but I don't want to you know mis mis misstate anything right. around that. But yes, there you know the the council themselves have pointed to you know um, studies and evidence over the years about this, and they claim this is all about transparency. It's not about, you know, it's it's not about bogging down police officers. This is where they disagree. The mayor believes that this would consume a lot of police officers' time. The council says no, they can they can do it at the end of the day of their of their day. And they can, you know, it could be done on an app, for instance. And the the questions can all be drop down answers. So they wouldn't even need to write anything. So this is where they dispute um, but again, it it is up to the mayor and the and the NYPD to decide how they want to implement this. So this is where the council sort of says to the mayor, you know, you you are sort of inventing the you know the hardest way possible that this law could be implemented, rather than coming up with solutions that you know there are reasonable ways we can ask officers to provide us with this data without you know harming public safety in any way. Um, is there a compromise possible? The mayor wasn't saying, you're just wrong, I'm just vetoing. It's like, like uh, let's keep talking. You know, at this point, it doesn't seem so because the, the, the council is very firm that they want to include these low-level encounters. I think, you know, I don't know the data on it, but, you know, I would imagine that these low-level encounters you know, amount to a lot. And if you think about, you know, the kind of, you know, if there's discriminatory policing on level two and level three stops, why wouldn't there be on level one? And what are the harmful impacts of having, you know, a generation of young people of color being stopped needlessly? Um, and the NYP not being held accountable for those lower level stops. So I don't think the council is going to compromise on that. And, uh, you know, the, and the mayor seems like he is very firm that he does not want level one included. Right. And here's that uh, study that I was referring to. This is from the Daily News last June. Headlines. Headline, Mayor Adams' controversial NYPD stop-and-frisk teams make high percentage of unlawful stops and target mainly black and Hispanic men, according to the Federal Monitor. And that refers to the Federal Monitor, the court-appointed watchdog overseeing the NYPD's controversial stop-and-frisk tactics in that years-old litigation. That person examined the constitutional constitutionality of stops, frisks, and searches performed by the anti-crime teams in modified uniforms uh, resurrected by Adams last year. The report found 24% of the stops were unconstitutional. So that from the Daily News last June, just to put that uh, piece of context on it. Listener writes, the state of our city is more bonkers than yonkers. Lisa in Manhattan, the state of the city according to you in 30 seconds. Hi, Lisa. Hey, thank you for taking my call. Um, is such that only two 
of my three children who were born and raised in Manhattan uh, can afford to live anywhere in New York City right now. The one who does live in New York lives way, way up on the Upper West and is eking out a living as a manager at Trader Joe's and living paycheck to paycheck. Lisa, thank you very much. The state of the city is such that only one of her three adult kids can afford to live here. And one more call. Charlotte in Manhattan. You're on WNYC. The state of the city according to you. That um, is disastrous for um, migrants. For, for example, the 60-day rule for being able to stay at a shelter where people have to come out even in terrible weather and reapply, stand online and reapply for housing. It, it doesn't, I, I don't see what the benefit of, and it seems like it would just cause more red tape and much more suffering for migrants who are suffering in so many ways in the city. Well, Charlotte, thank you very much. And this leads us to our last clip from the State of the City Address, uh, because the mayor did not talk very much about that issue, the issue that we have so often heard him on in the last year, the asylum seekers. But he did make this reference to what his administration has done. I think. We have helped tens of thousands file applications to extend temporary protected status, seek asylum, and obtain work authorizations. We are proud. We have done our part. But we need others to do their part. The federal government must step up and step in. This is a national crisis that calls for a national solution. And we're going to let that stand because we've talked so much about it from so many points of view, uh, not to be redundant in this conversation about the mayor's new speech. So, Liz, let me let us uh, let me use our last couple of minutes to ask you about another policy initiative that the mayor announced, creation of a Department of Sustainable Delivery. How much do we know about what he has in mind and what that department would do? So we know that during the pandemic, there was just an explosion of deliveries, right? And the mayor is proposing a new agency that would basically help regulate um, this industry. And it, you know, just think about it. It's trucks, it's vans, it's motorbikes, it's e-bikes. And, you know, we don't have a lot of details yet, but the idea is that this would regulate both the app companies that, um, um, you, you know, that, that hire the delivery workers and also the delivery workers themselves. Would deliver, I mean, we get so many calls from listeners who feel unsafe with the delivery e-bikes and other motorized vehicles uh, on the sidewalks these days. So is there anything in this that indicates that delivery workers would like it uh, and find it in their interest as well as the other people's interest or just feel hemmed in by it? You know, that's unclear. And we're going to see, you know, is, is part of this, it's I think it, I believe it involves like consumer protection, but then uh, it does make you wonder like what part of this will also be worker protection. Elizabeth Kim covers Mayor Adams and other city hall things for WNYC and Gothamist. She covered the state of the city address yesterday, of course. And Liz, I'll, I'll leave you with this one last text from a listener who writes, the state of the city is enlightened. New York City remains a cultural mecca. So, enough said, right?
Right. That's a good positive note to end on. Brian Lara on WNYC. Much more to come.